Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. This teaching is from the series, The King is Coming. This series looks at seven titles of the coming Messiah found in the book of Isaiah. These titles were all part of a special series of songs that Christians in earlier times sang the week before Christmas, culminating on Christmas Eve with the singing of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. We hope this helps you focus on the glory of Jesus, our coming King. So we're going to be looking today at Isaiah chapter 11. We're going to look at verses 1 and then 10 to 12. You can uh, see them up here on the screen. Uh, follow along uh, in your Bible as well. And they're also in the little booklet. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, and then verses 10 to 12. Hear now the word of the living God. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the sea. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. A few years ago, uh, Linda and I were out in California and we were doing a vacation out in the San Francisco area and we went to Muir Woods, which is a place I really love going to. And one of the things I love doing is seeing the huge redwood trees they have there. And I had seen them a couple of times before, but this particular day we actually went along with one of the rangers and they were describing things. So we were learning some stuff that we had never known before, uh, which includes that these trees, which can be thousands of years old, and I knew that, but what I did not know was how they reproduce. Sometimes a, one of the big, huge cones they have will fall but many of the seeds in those cones actually are not active. Nothing comes of them. And so only some of the reproduction comes that way. Some of the trees actually come as the roots spread out from the redwoods. They have a way to actually grow new trees out of their roots. But usually what will happen to cause that is the main tree will either be struck by disease or will be struck by lightning. A fire will come, and that will kill the original tree, but it will cause all the new ones to sprout up around it. And they showed us a few areas where you can see where this has happened, where there would be a whole ring of younger trees, and in the center of this ring, they said that's where the original tree was. It went down, and it's only now seen by the fact that there's this big space in the middle of this circle from the rest of them. And I had never heard of a tree actually reproducing this way and growing up from the roots. But I thought about that this week when I was looking at this metaphor that Isaiah gives for this coming king. When he says the coming king is both the root and the branch that comes from Jesse. And in particular, we're going to look at the, the root of Jesse. And so we want to talk about why does Isaiah use this metaphor? Why is this a title uh, how is it developed throughout the scripture, and how does it apply to us today? Now, the background to understand in coming to this text 
is the entire ministry of Isaiah, actually. He's not just randomly using this metaphor of at the root of Jesse. His entire ministry actually is kind of built on a particular concept. And this is the fact that Isaiah was told at the beginning of his ministry that Judah was going to be cut down like a tree. In Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah had his famous vision of the Lord and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he was told as part of that vision that Judah and Israel were not going to listen to him and they were going to be sent away into exile. And Isaiah asks in verse 9, For how long, O Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. So this is a, this is a devastating picture. He said even if 10% of the people were left, it'd be felled again. There will be nothing left. But then notice what he says at the end of verse 13. But as the terebinth and oak leaf stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. So now picture this. This is really a hard thing if you're Isaiah. How would you like a job where you are told, I'm calling you, there's going to be all these difficulties, and by the way, nobody's going to listen to you. I'm telling you right now, you will fail. I mean, that, that's a tough call but that's what god gives to isaiah right at the beginning they will not listen to you their hearts will be hard they are callous they're not going to listen and they're going to go away in exile and the metaphor that god uses is it's going to be like a tree that is cut down and all that's going to be left is a stump now in isaiah's day it seemed most likely that this would happen through assyria Assyria was actually coming in and they did deport the ten northern tribes. They actually took them away. But Isaiah prophesied in chapter 10, right before our verses, that in fact Assyria itself was going to be cut down like a forest. In Isaiah chapter 10, verses 33 and 34, it says, See, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will lop off the boughs with great power. The lofty trees will be felled. The tall ones will be brought low. He will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. And that Lebanon is being spoken of there because it was the cedars of Lebanon, these big, huge trees. But God in chapter 10 is prophesying regarding Assyria, which is the strongest empire in the world at that time. It appeared like they were the ones who were going to uh, rule over everything. And in fact, they came in, and in 722, they conquered Samaria. They took away the ten northern tribes. They sent them off into exile. They rushed into Judah, and when it looked like they were going to conquer Judah, God actually sends an angel, destroys part of their army, saves Judah at that time. But Isaiah prophesies Assyria itself will be cut down. And the reality is when Assyria was cut down, uh, Nineveh was finally crushed by Babylon in 612 B.C., shortly before Judah went into exile. Assyria never rose again. They ceased to exist as an empire. But if you and I were sitting in Babylon, in exile, a Jew in exile, reading Isaiah's words, the question becomes, Assyria was cut down and did not arise again. 
Israel, the northern ten tribes, were sent away. We, the people of Judah, are sitting here in Babylon. Will we rise again? See, this is a powerful metaphor of despair and distress. Judah is like a forest that has been cut down. All these trees were there. They are now cut low, uh, and there is judgment, and there is distress. And so is there still hope for Judah, or will nothing ever grow here again? That is the question. And it's in this context that Isaiah says there is going to be this root of Jesse. And keep in mind, the, the verses we're looking at there in Isaiah 10, 33, and 34, the very next verse is Isaiah 11, 1. Okay? So God has given this picture that Judah's going to be cut down, Assyria is going to be cut down, and then we come to hear about the root and branch of Jesse. So notice in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, we read that a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. This is why I brought that thing that I learned about the redwood trees out there in Muir Woods. It looks like it's dead. Everything has been cut down, but new life is going to come up out of the stump. What was dead is going to actually produce new life. And notice Isaiah says this stump is the stump of Jesse. Now, who was Jesse? He's David's father. Okay, And he actually probably goes back and says Jesse for two reasons. Number one, the house of David has failed terribly. When Isaiah is giving this prophecy, uh, Ahaz, who was on the throne, had, had refused to trust God, had sent off to Assyria for help, actually brought destruction upon himself is what he had done. Um, and so they had failed so badly that God's saying, I'm, I'm cutting the root all the way back to Jesse himself. But the second reason is because it's a new David that's going to arise. What is needed is a new David to rise up and rule over the people in righteousness and justice. And so this new David is going to arise just like the original David did out of Jesse is where he's going to come. So the stump is Jesse's stump. Now this idea of a branch, it may seem a little bit odd to us, but it became a very important title and metaphor for the Messiah in the Old Testament. For example, in Jeremiah chapter 23, now remember Jeremiah prophesies during the exile. Isaiah prophesied that the exile was coming. Some hundred and something years later, Jeremiah rises up, and he's actually the prophet during the exile. And he says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up to David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. So notice Isaiah had said, look, there's going to be a branch that's going to shoot up out of the stump of Jesse. And now Jeremiah is saying, Yahweh is saying, I haven't forgotten that promise. The righteous branch is going to come up, and he is going to be a king, and he is going to reign wisely and with justice. Does that sound familiar from any other passage we've been looking at? In Isaiah 11, the king is going to come and he's going to be anointed with the spirit of wisdom and he's going to establish righteousness and justice in the land. Jeremiah is picking up on all of these ideas and saying the branch is going to come. God has not forgotten his promise. He is going to do what he said. 
This is carried forth even further in Zechariah, who actually prophesies when the people of Israel have returned to the promised land after the exile. And in Zechariah chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, there's an amazing passage where Zechariah prophesies to the high priest at the time. And he says, listen, O high priest Joshua. Now, I, I, somebody help me out here. Remind me, what, what is another form of the name Joshua? Jesus, okay? Listen, O high priest Joshua and your associates seated before you who are men symbolic of things to come. What I'm going to be speaking to you in my prophecy in this book is not really about you, Joshua. It's about someone who's going to come. You are a symbol of someone who's going to come. I am going to bring my servant the branch. This is back to Isaiah 11. See the stone I have set in front of Joshua. There are seven eyes on that one stone, and I will engrave an inscription on it. If you remember in the letters to Revelation, Jesus talks about having a stone with writing on it. These are all references to this. Uh, says the Lord Almighty, and I will remove the sin of this land in a single day. So the high priest, Joshua, is symbolic of things to come, the branch who's going to come, who I might point out is actually going to be the true great high priest. When this branch comes, Yahweh is going to remove sin in a single day. If you are a Christian, you, you have to hear and understand how this is fulfilled. This is an amazing prophecy, and it's all about the branch. And now, this was not done by that Joshua, okay? He did not fulfill any of these things. He didn't remove sin. He didn't establish righteousness. Uh, he is only symbolic of the one who was going to come. But I do love that of all the names this high priest could have had, his name is Yehoshua, Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus is who his name is. Zechariah continues this prophecy in Zechariah chapter 6. He says, Take the silver and gold, and make a crown and set it on the head of the high priest Joshua. Now this is weird because priests and kings came from two separate tribes and you could not be a priest king, except for Melchizedek in the Old Testament had been a priest king. But Zechariah is being told here, remember this Joshua is symbolic of things to come. So he says, set a crown on the head of the high priest Joshua, the son of Jehoshaphat. Tell him this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch, and he will branch out from this place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord, and he will be clothed with majesty and sit and rule on his throne. And he will be a priest on his throne, and there will be harmony between the two. Okay, now remember, this Joshua didn't do any of this. He didn't build the temple. He didn't sit on the throne. He didn't branch out. But he is symbolic of one who is going to come, the true branch, the true Joshua, Jesus, who is going to be the high priest, who will build the temple and sit on the throne and rule as the priest king. All of this is symbolized here in the book of Zechariah. And so this is all pointing to Jesus, who is the true branch, who comes and who builds the true temple of the Lord, the church, and who rules from God's throne. So this passage in Isaiah 11:1 1 about the branch, and we're going to come to the root in just a second, 
is all pointing forward to Jesus. He's the branch who comes forth from the stump of Jesse. He removes the sin of the people in a day. He builds the temple of God and the earth, and he rules from God's throne as a priest king to establish righteousness and justice. And all of that's there in the Old Testament. Now, what about the fact of the root of Jesse? Because we're first told that he's a branch, but then Isaiah comes back in verse 10, and he refers to him as the root of Jesse. Notice there in Isaiah 11:10, in that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. So this coming king is not only the branch growing out of Jesse's line, he is the root from which Jesse's line arose in the first place and is sustained. Do you see kind of the paradox that Isaiah is building here? He's the offspring, he's the branch out of Jesse, but he's also the root that Jesse himself came from. He is the ground out of which Jesse has grown, uh, is arising, and will be sustained. And this is because as the root of Jesse, Jesus not only restores David's kingship, but he also restores Israel, and he even brings the Gentiles into the people of God. Notice how Isaiah takes it. This root is going to do more than was ever envisioned. In verses 10 to 12, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. When you see the phrase the peoples, this is not just about Israel. This is all the nations. And we're told the nations will rally to him and his place of rest will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the remnant that is left of his people from Assyria and Egypt. And what's he making a reference to? When did God reach out his hand the first time and reclaim his people? the Passover and the Exodus, right? And God is saying there's going to be another great Exodus. I'm going to draw back and bring all of my people back. But notice in verse 12, he will also raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. So the root of Jesse is going to regather Israel and bring them back to himself. But he's not only going to do that, he will draw in the nations. The root of Jesse, it's not enough, Isaiah will say in chapter 49, that you'll restore my people Israel. You're going to be a light to the nations, which is another title we're going to come to. But here, you are the root. You're going to go out. You are going to draw the nations in. This is a reference to the worldwide spread of the gospel. This is what God is doing. And please don't miss what's going on here. You're talking about a tree that's been cut down to the stump. It looks like there's no life left at all. But Isaiah is saying, not only will a branch start to shoot up out of this, but these roots are so strong and so mighty, this tree is going to be more than it ever was before. It's not coming back smaller, it's coming back greater. It's not only going to grow back and restore Israel, it's in fact going to draw the nations throughout the entire earth. And this is how Paul uses this verse in the New Testament. In Romans 15, 12, when Paul's talking about his mission to the Gentiles, he quotes from Isaiah 11. He says, and again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations, and the Gentiles will hope in him. Now, when I read this, I said, Paul's using a little bit different words 
then we're back there in Isaiah. But what's interesting is when I looked at it, he's actually quoting the Septuagint, the Greek version of the Old Testament, basically verbatim is what he's doing. A couple hundred years before Jesus, they had already translated it as that he's going to rule over the nations and the Gentiles will hope in him. That there is this prophecy that the Gentiles are going to come in. Many Gentiles are going to turn to Christ. And Paul's quoting this to show that the gathering of the Gentiles, which he was a part of there, was always part of God's purpose. This is so imperative for us to grasp. Many people act as if you read through the Old Testament and all God was ever interested in was Israel. That was never the purpose. I remind you, we we conclude virtually every meeting by saying, blessed to be a blessing. Where do we get that from? That's Genesis chapter 12 is where that comes from. God blessed Abraham so that through Abraham he could bless the nations. And Paul says that's the gospel. That is the gospel. It is always there in the Old Testament. And Paul is saying, this is what Isaiah said. When the root comes, he will not only restore Israel, he's going to call the nations in. He's going to bring them in. And friends, that is good news because if it were not so, you and I would not be sitting here today. We are here because God had a purpose and a plan to call people from every tribe and nation. And so notice in the song, that the choir sang, O Radix. Notice how they used this idea. O Root of Jesse, standing as a sign among the peoples. Before you, kings will shut their mouths, because you're going to be the king, and we'll see how that comes out in another title. To you, the nations will make their prayer. Come and deliver us and delay no longer. So notice the nations are crying out. He is the hope of the nation, the desire of the nations, and the nations which have been far off, which had their own pagan gods, had no interest in Adonai, Yahweh, the Lord of Israel. They're now crying out and saying, we need you to come and deliver us, and our kings will shut their mouths because you are the true king over us. Now, What this means then is, as we move through the Scripture, see that Jesus is both the root and the branch of Jesse and David. In fact, in some of the last words that Jesus utters in the Bible, in Revelation 22, 16, he says this, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. So so notice here, he he shifts the metaphor a little bit because more often the Messiah was referred to as the offspring or the seed of David. But notice, I'm not only David's offspring, I'm not only the branch that grew out of David, I'm also the root of David. This is clear reference back to this passage in Isaiah chapter 11. And notice, again, this is right at the end of the Bible. There's only a few verses left, and all Jesus says after this is, surely I come quickly. That's it. At the very end, Jesus is reminding a church, a church that is suffering, a church that feels cut down, a church that wonders if there is a future for them. Jesus says, I remind you, I am the root 
from which David sprang. I am the offspring of David. I am the bright and morning star, another title we're going to come to out of Isaiah. And he says, I have fulfilled everything that I said I was going to do. And as I was faithful to my people in the past, I will be faithful to you now and I will be faithful to the people in the future. You can have hope. So this is showing us who he is. So as the root and the branch or offspring, Jesus has fulfilled all of the messianic prophecies, removing the sin of all the people of God in a single day, gathering in the Gentiles, and ruling over uh, the people of God as the priest king. Notice in Hebrews chapter 1 where it begins, and the whole book of Hebrews is showing us how Jesus is greater than everything else and is the fulfillment of all. The writer to Hebrews says, after he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So notice, who does purification? The priest. And who sits on the throne? The king. And who is Jesus? He's the priest king, fulfilling the prophecy regarding the root and the branch. The, the book of Hebrews is bringing out this same thing. So he is the fulfillment of all of this. Now, I want to fast forward to today. <clears throat> how, how does this apply to you and to me? How do we reference this? And I want to talk first about the church, and secondly about us, and then third, a specific temptation in our age. Number one, do I see that there is hope for the church and the kingdom? Remember, this title doesn't come out of nowhere. It comes out of the fact that Judah is going to be cut down. And friends, if you had lived your entire life being told that you were God's special people and that that king over there is the descendant of David and God promised a descendant of David will always be seated on the throne and then one day you watch Babylon roll in and they crush your army, they destroy the holy city, they level the temple, and they drag the king off as a prisoner. And then you are carried away to Babylon. Do not kid yourself. You, you would have never dreamed of being so low in all your life. And you have to wonder at that point and read the book of Lamentations and you see the lament as all this is going on has God's promises failed is this stump ever going to grow again well we have the advantage now of looking back and saying miracle of miracles of all those nations from back then Israel survived and Israel survived because God was faithful. The root of Jesse lived, and he restored the people of God. The same thing is true in the history of the church. When you look at Jesus' prophecies about how the church was like a mustard seed, and it was this small little seed, but it was going to grow up, and it was going to become the greatest tree in the garden, and, and all these birds from around the world were going to come in. If you are the early church in the book of Acts, that seems like delusion. If you are the church in the book of Revelation, and you are suffering the fires of persecution, you are hoping just to survive. 
And Jesus is promising you will not only survive, you will thrive. You will not only live, you are going to spread, and you are going to spread throughout the earth. That seemed crazy. Friends, you have to understand, it made no sense. Nobody believed that. If you would have walked up to Domitian around 95 A.D. and said, you know the Christians that you're slaughtering? One day, Rome's going to fall, but this church is going to survive. He would have thought you'd been dropped on your head right before he chopped your head off, probably. Okay? But you know what? Domitian is gone. Diocletian, the church went through the strongest persecution ever in 305, right before the next emperor came in and said, actually, I'm a Christian and I believe all of this. At the darkest moment, God was about to transform and change everything. Rome threatened to destroy the tree of God's church, but Rome perished and the church still thrives and grows. And this is all because the root has sustained us through all attempts to destroy the tree of the kingdom, and he will sustain us still. So the first thing is for you and I to have hope. And please hear me in this. There are people out there. If you click on Christian radio or watch Christian TV, I don't mean to to try and disparage, but there are people who their entire purpose is getting money by writing train wreck letters to you and telling you how the world is coming to an end. Let me go ahead and tell you, it is not so. Because the root of Jesse will survive. They will never uproot Jesus. I do not know what will happen to Bay Ridge Christian Church. I do not know what will happen to the nation of America, but I do know this. The church of God will survive until Jesus sets foot back on the earth again. And do not listen to a voice that says otherwise. The the death of the church has been prophesied over and over and over again. And today, the church exists in more places than it ever has. The church is growing at a greater, more rapid rate than it ever has. Let that be hope to you. The reason for it is the root of Jesse. It's not up to us. It's not up to our wisdom. It is not up to our methods, and we got to get this right and do that. It is the root of Jesse. The branch of Jesse comes out. He is faithful. He sustains, and he will bear fruit. Amen? So I, it may seem like the gospel and the kingdom face perilous times, but God's promises are going to prevail And there is going to be a bountiful harvest, and it is coming even now around the world. I encourage you, take heart that the church is growing fastest in Iran right now. My plebe here at the Naval Academy, I was sitting there when there were the hostages being held for 444 days. Nobody was thinking that the church was going to survive in Iran, much less thrive. But friends, it is surviving and it is thriving. The church in Africa is growing at a massive rate. The church down in the southern cone is growing fast. Do not despair. Be of hope. The gospel will prevail. Amen. Amen. So that's the first thing is for the church. Secondly, there is hope 
for me. Because not only do we feel that way for the church, sometimes you and I feel that way. See, it was not only if you were sitting there in exile in Babylon, you didn't only feel that way regarding the Davidic king and the nation as a whole. You yourself were full of despair. Everything you had known and loved seemed to be gone, and it looked like God's promises had failed, not only to the nation, but to you personally. And all that's left is a stump. And it's burned over. It looks like all is gone. But see, the reality is there was still a root. And that root brought those people back from exile and sustained them until the promises could be fulfilled. And I want to say to us today, every one of us in life is going to have those times that you are going to stand up and if you're honest, you may look at your life and you say, this looks like a stump. I've been cut down. Lightning has struck. There is nothing left. It is burned down. It is shot. I have blown it. Okay? And we sometimes are even in that place because I put myself in the place. Sometimes I cut my own tree down and lit fire to it. Let's be honest. Very often that's exactly what we do. But I want to tell you the root of Jesse will sustain and keep you. God will keep his promises to you because they do not depend on you. They depend on him. And he is faithful. It may seem in your life fruit will never come. In fact, you just are concerned that the, that the stump's gonna die. But I wanna tell you, God says, not only will the stump survive and thrive, fruit will come. The root of Jesse will nourish you no matter what's going on above the ground. He is deep and he is nourishing and he will hold and he will sustain you. If, if you've walked with Jesus for any period of time, you can understand what I'm talking about. There are, there are times of light and there are times of darkness. There are times where you see the promises of God being fulfilled, and then there are dark nights where you wonder what is going on. But I assure you, Jesus will keep you. So let this, this idea of the root of Jesse, the reason he is this is, it's good to know that he's wisdom, but what happens when I haven't lived in wisdom? It's good to know that he's Yahweh, the covenant Lord, but what happens when I've been unfaithful? Well, here's what happens. He's also the root of Jesse, and he sustains you and me through good times and through bad. Now, this brings to the last area, and we'll conclude with prayer. And this is, I, I want to talk a little bit about the idea of rituals of grace or habits of grace. Because one of the ways, the question becomes, well, how do I draw that strength from him? Okay, when the times are dark, how do I draw strength from him? And I'm gonna turn for a moment to that poem by Malcolm Geith, and I'm just quoting part of it here. But he does something a little different in this one. He, and he admits, I, I listened to an interview with him, and he said, in this one I wasn't really using the term root, 
the way that it was used in the book of Isaiah. I'm kind of talking about how it applies to our modern world. And listen to what he says. All of us sprung from one deep hidden seed, rose from a root invisible to all. We knew the virtues once of every weed, but severed from the roots of ritual, we surf the surface of a widescreen world and find no virtue in the virtual. Now notice what he's doing. The idea of a root is a very organic metaphor. But I, I love this idea of surfing the surface of a widescreen world, okay? That's not organic. That's our very modern world. But let me ask you a question. When you despair, do you find it easier to pull out your Bible and read or to sit back and flip on the TV? When I'm really feeling like my hope is cut off, would I rather get down and spend time in prayer or pull out my phone and just flip through some social media? What's easier? See, it becomes a whole lot easier at that moment to surf the surface of a widescreen world. It's a huge temptation. It becomes very easy to do that which is ephemeral and of no lasting value. But see, notice what he says, we find no virtue in the virtual. I think he's doing a play on words here. The, the word virtue means both righteousness and justice and all that, but virtue is also life. See, and there's, there's no life in that. We, we, don't, we don't draw from that. And the problem is we find ourselves feeling like we're cut off from the root, and then what I do is I do rootless things. And it's so easy to do. But see, virtue and strength are found in connecting to the root via the rituals of grace. Okay, that's why he began that thing with, uh, we knew uh, that we severed from the roots of ritual. And so the, the, the rituals of grace that I'm talking about are the very simple things. Opening God's word and letting, letting him nourish us by his word. We, we live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. By talking to God in prayer. You read the book of Psalms. They are full of people who are in that moment and they feel like a stump. But what they did is they turned to God and in that, in Psalm 73 he says, surely God's good to Israel, but as for me, I was abandoned, I was forsaken, I was cut off. He says, but when I went into the house of the Lord, that's when I understood. We, we gather this as we come together and worship. And see, it's hard. If, if you're in that dark place, it's hard when we come in here and we start singing praise to God. Sometimes I would rather just stay back and I don't want to participate. But that's the precise wrong thing. It's like I'm starving, so I'm not going to eat food. Okay? Health comes as we gather in worship, as we gather in fellowship. See, it's a whole lot easier when I'm feeling, you know what, I'll just sit by myself and do this. Rather than gathering with other believers where the root starts giving strength to me and encouraging me and building me back up. And also this is why we come again and again to the Lord's table. And so, 
I'm going to talk more about this in after hours. I encourage you this week. I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit more about this and the importance of these things of ritual. Part of why he brought this up in this poem is we live in a rootless age, friends. We, we are busy cutting ourselves off from all that has rooted us. And then we wonder why we're withering. Well, we're withering because we've cut ourselves off from that which gives life. If I remove you, see, out of the root of Jesse, new, new life arose from the stump. But what happened to the part of the tree that was cut down and cut itself off? Right? Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If a man remains in me, he'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you're cast off and thrown away, th there's no life. There's no life. We only have life as we remain connected to the root. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to conclude with a word of prayer um, for us regarding this. And I want to encourage you, as I do so in just a moment, I'll have you stand with me, but think through those areas where we just spoke about. Do you feel like, when you listen, and you, you can listen to the news, and depending on who you're listening to, you can hear all kinds of things about how dour the situation is for the church. If you're in that place, I want you to reach out to the Lord and receive encouragement. It may be that you're not in that place regarding the church, but you feel like yourself, you're cut and laid low, and you're without hope. If that's the case, I want you to reach out to God and have hope restored. And it may be that the Lord's ministering to you and saying, you know what, this week, rather than clicking on the TV or whatever, I'm going to sit down and spend some time talking to God and letting him renew me, or in fellowship, or in the word, or whatever it is. Whichever of those areas, let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now, and then let the Lord work in your heart as we pray together. So let's stand together. <clears throat> and I encourage you to uh, join in prayer with me. Father, in this broken world, we often feel like a tree that has been chopped down and left for dead. Circumstances conspire to cut us down to a mere stump, and our present and our future appear dark and lifeless. In such times, it's easy for us to give in to despair, living in fear rather than faith. But Jesus, today we are reminded that you are the root that sustains life in such times. When Israel was cut to a stump and left for dead, you sustained them through the exile and brought them back. When your church suffered persecution, you kept your people, causing them to even flourish and grow. When the gospel light appeared all but extinguished, you sent your spirit and word to fan it into flame again. So today, we cry out to you, O root of Jesse, O branch and offspring of David, come, restore, and sustain our hope. Lord, I pray that every one of us would know that though we are hard-pressed on every side, we will not be crushed. Though we may be perplexed, 
we need not despair. That even if we are persecuted, we are never abandoned. Indeed, even if we were to be struck down, we cannot be destroyed, for you will raise us to life again. So Lord God, I pray that as we draw near to you this week, you would draw near to us. Speak to us from your word, nourishing our soul. Assure us of your Spirit's presence as we pray. Stir our faith as we fellowship with one another. Bless us as we strive to be a blessing to others, letting the fruit of your kingdom grow throughout the earth. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the Root of David, who has triumphed to give all of this to us. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. Today's benediction is going to be regarding hope, and it is the very next verse. In Romans 15, 12, Paul quoted Isaiah 11, so I feel confident why he was quoting it, because this is the benediction Paul offers in the next verse. So I encourage you to reach out by faith and grab the blessing of God. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Go forth blessed and be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Bay Ridge Christian Church. For more teachings and resources, please visit www.brcc.church.